You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Salem After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Salem After Show. Good morning, good afternoon, good night whenever you're listening to us. It's afternoon as we do this show, guys. Thank you for joining us on the Salem After Show podcast here on AfterBuzz TV. As always, I'm Bobby DeMuro, joined by three amazing women. I would like to think, guys, that if we were witches, if we had our own coven, we'd, we would do pretty well, right? Totally. Totally. Yeah. I think, I think. listen, Anna Koppel, Jesse Owen, and the wonderful Marissa Serafini, Anna would lead the show if the four of us were witches. I just have a feeling you'd be like, you'd be Mary for us. Uh, I feel like that's a compliment, so thank oh, you. Oh, total compliment, yeah. <laughs> um, but I I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Uh, thank <laughs> you, I guess. <laughs> well, we are recapping uh, Season 1, Episode 5. It is called Lies, and if you are here to watch the Salem Podcast, you're in the right place. So thank you guys for joining us. We've got a lot to talk about today. We'll get into it. We'll do a lot of social links. We have some news and gossip at the end of the show, and as always, predictions, which are going to be good based on what happened at the end of the episode today. But before we get there, let's start at the start. And for us, the start today is Tituba and her coup and Mary and kind of Tituba running up against Mary and making a bit of a power play. So what do we think? This is the first episode. We've done a lot of history stuff on the real life Tituba and done a lot of research. And she hasn't yet come up. Ashley Medekwe hasn't had huge roles yet. And today she starts to assert herself in this episode. What's your reaction to Tituba? Scary, conniving, powerful? I mean, the power play she's making, does she have the backing to really make it? Can she stand up to Mary, or is it all false bravado? I think she can definitely stand up to Mary. I think she's kind of looking out for herself. I think she only told Mary for a reason. You know, she didn't want everyone else to know, but it's a way to control Mary, like you guys said earlier. But, um, yeah, I, I... I think, you know, this is going to give her more power than she already has now. Because I think Mary's a little, not scared, but threatened. And remember, Tituba was the one who brought Mary into the fold. It seems like forever ago in episode one, when Mary was a normal person and not a witch, Tituba was the one who brought that upon her. So we look at Tituba and say, well, we've kind of forgotten about her for three or four episodes a little bit. But she's actually the driving force for Mary even being a witch, so maybe Tituba's more powerful than we've been led to believe in the first place. Oh, yeah, and there's definitely a reason why she's only telling Mary, because she doesn't want John Alden around either. So, and, you know, the old, what do we call him, new? Old old world, world, new world, yeah. Yeah, they don't want him around either, so there's a reason why she's still, like, not getting everyone else involved with it. See, so why lie to Mary at the level that she did, because she lied to Mary's face three or four times before Mary actually called her on it. And then Tituba finally came clean and said, you know, no one's in your corner anymore. Everybody's having secret meetings. Why lie to Mary so much in the first place? Why? Where did that come from? Because they were trusted friends not one episode ago. Well, also, Tituba has to still keep that alliance with Mary, too, because if they're going to 
fully complete, try to complete the grand right, she needs Mary on her side as well. So she might be planning, maybe just in, maybe in a way to control Mary in case she gets too powerful and Tituba can be powerful enough to keep her at bay. But she still does need an alliance with Mary for the grand right. It seems like Mary is losing some power. And as Rose said to her in the market, you, when you stare at him in public, it, it, it weakens you. And there must be several things that she's doing that weakens her because I, I think when the reason why Chitaba was lying to her is because she was, uh, she had, uh, an order, a direction from Magistrate Hale from, from the old world witches, you know, go, go get this information and don't tell Mary about it. So she has to answer to them. And so it seems like Mary is not at the top of the food chain right now. So so your contention is, I guess, that Mary, it, it, Magistrate Hale occupies a higher position on the hierarchy of witches than Mary does, even though in town, maybe, Mary might occupy a higher position it seems with her like, husband. It, it seems that way. And it seems like, you know, Mary is in a position and somebody in it might have been Rose again that said, Mary's our greatest creation and she's, you know, it seems like she's supposed to be, you know, the one to, uh, bring in the grand right. Uh, but something's going on with her that she is really weakened at, at this moment. So, uh, and it, it, it seems like we're just getting bits and pieces of information and we'll learn more about, uh, you know, the hierarchy of things. Uh, but but yeah, it just seemed like Tidiba was answering to these other witches, and and so and that's why she had to sort of uh, yeah just keep secrets. Yeah. And she's a, she's a bad liar, by the way. Oh yeah, she's terrible. Yeah, terrible. Absolutely. Mary picked that up too. Also, that the, if you think about it, there are more. You, Mary is kind of outnumbered right now. She she might be the most powerful person on the New World uh, magic, but there are more old ancient world. Um, which is still out there and still active. So I she's would, outnumbered in that way, too. I would argue she's maybe the only New World witch because yeah. we know Hale is Old World. I assume Rose is Old World. We're finding out that Tituba is probably Old Kinda World because old she world. brought Mary in. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what else, what other New World witch is there? Now, uh, not to jump too far ahead, but Mercy might become one. Right? But besides yeah. her, where's where's another New World witch? Is there one that we know of? So, I, yeah, and also I, I think that's why Tituba is still being maybe kind of pulled back by the old world because that's where her allegiance originally lied. Yeah. Everything's <laughs> political. Even yeah, if it's it witches, is. it's it all really political. Um, but, okay, so let's talk to about now because she did something interesting when Hale gave her the order to find John Alden's secret. And and first off, okay, I gotta ask I gotta ask a question about Hale first because Hale comes back to Rose when he gets what he thinks is the secret and says, oh, the secret's nothing. John Alden's not going to leave town because of a gambling debt. How stupid is Hale that he couldn't pick up the lie? That, that obviously wasn't the secret and Titiba was lying to him. Like, how dumb is this guy? He's he's shrewd throughout this entire thing. And then he comes up and he buys hook, line, and sinker the gambling debt idiocy? He no probably way. didn't expect, like, a slave, like a servant to lie to him because of his power. I, I mean, I understand, but I think that in with these people, it's totally different. Like, she's a slave, quote-unquote, but they're all witches, so I, I think they totally look past that. They only do the slave-servant thing in real 
in in the market. Like when they're in the market around people, and Hale says, "You know, I need your girl keep up to marry to keep up appearances." But I think they totally look past it. So in private, oh, yeah. exactly because when we saw uh, another scene when Tituba when they were in the woods, Tituba gave that one get weird looking guy an order. So she was ordering people around, even though she's a servant. So she's not seen as a servant in that way, especially when she's around the other witches. Right. I, I just don't understand how Hale could be so dumb to think that that was a lie. Being an old world witch, being as powerful as he is, being on the vendetta he has from his family, it's like... Well, maybe it's his perception of John Alden and uh, the amount of wrongness that or he thinks that John Alden's capable of doing. I quickly just want to say, uh, and, and, and apologize for last week, I said that... Uh, that William Hook was played by Xander Berkeley, which is not correct. Xander Berkeley plays uh, plays Magistrate Hale, um, and William Hook is played by Matthew Holmes. And I think this was the last episode that we'll see him in. So my apologies and uh, for the misinformation. We do have some Xander Berkeley news coming up later. Oh, too. fantastic! Oh, it's getting real. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> so, but anyway, so yeah, so that could just be his perception of John Alden that he he bought that. Yeah, because my perception of John Alden, not to jump to John yet, but I didn't think John Alden killed 20 men either. So I guess I can understand that he would buy some kind of a lie that's less than the secret John actually has. But the gambling debt thing just seems weird to me. But that being said, we see Tituba finally asserting herself, not only with lying to Hale and lying to Mary and doing what she needs to do, but also with taking Hook's face, having the ghoul cut it off, which was awesome, by the way. That was. So great. Um, and then taking his face and taking the rabbit's blood and doing a little, you know, supernatural work to get him to talk. And we now start to see again Tituba's powers that we hadn't seen since the first episode when she dealt with Mary. Necromancy, they call that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was almost kind of weird to me how um, the face, William's face, um, was kind of against Tituba. Mm-hmm. I can never say her name. Um that was kind of weird to me, and I didn't know that they had, like, because he was like, you got what you wanted, pretty much, like, didn't want to talk to you, but where were they ever even together? Uh, see, the question is, is William a witch of some kind? Is Hook a, a witch of some kind, or is he just a, a useful worker for them? Yeah, and, and that's what I was questioning. I was like, what, why is he associated with which witchcraft anything like for him to be in charge of such a valuable item to a humongous ritual that they have to do so he has to be associated with them whether it's he's a witch himself or he just maybe they were using him like magic against him in some way he's attached to it he he is definitely deeply involved and we will hear more about him because mary asked for a list of the items he was going to get and wanted to know where he was coming from. So the origins. The origins, exactly. And so we uh, last week we talked about whether he was a witch and because he is definitely deeply involved. And it's too coincidental that John Alden dealt with this guy in the war and then lo and behold a few years later, this is the guy the witch is tasked with bringing these items. No, it's just, you yeah. no, it's too coincidental. Something's connected. Can, can I ask do you all think that killing the murdering of 20 people was that did that like shock any of you was is it a big deal to any of you did you notice how all the people because well okay on what you said when he held the apple that was in the box that we'll talk about later and he saw those people were those supposed to imply the people he killed because they all had bumps all over their face, just like the ancient witch so i i wondered i wondered that too i wrote um flashback or 
a vision. Um, I, I, I assumed it was a vision that he was looking at what the Grand Rite does because they talk about consecrating the earth and the devil returns. I thought that was a consequence of the Grand Rite, that if yeah. this happens, these people die. The killing for him, though, is a good question because I actually had written down, John murdered 20 men, dash, serial killer or spree killer. Not that it makes a huge difference, but a serial killer killing yep. at different times and a spree killer you know, all one once, mission, usually. one thing, a mass murder. Not that it makes a difference, more, more, you know, moral-wise, but did he kill 20 people in battle? Did he kidnap, tw- you know, did 20 men come and try to take him and he killed them like Chuck Norris, Walker, Texas Ranger, one yeah. by one? Well, didn't John say that he killed them only because they came to him for something? Yeah. Came to help him, yeah, I or, thought. Or like, but they, the guys, whoever he killed, um, came to him. And then, so it had to be something for him. There had to been some motive why he killed them if they went to him. Right. But, but did it, I mean, it, it didn't surprise me. It didn't shock me because I assume, and maybe I'm totally wrong to assume this. I'm sure I probably am because I've been wrong before, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> it, I assume that John is more of a sympathetic character and he is kind of the eyes and ears of the viewing public for this show. He's, he, I think, represents us in a lot of ways in mm-hmm. Salem in 1692. So he, to me, is kind of a well-liked character, more or less. And I assume that if he killed 20 men, it was justified in some way. Now, is he going to have to have consequences anyways? And will the militia come get him? Well, sure, probably. But I, I don't look at him differently knowing that he's killed 20 people. Am I wrong to say that? I, 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 don't, I don't look at him differently either. And I was sort of surprised it wasn't something bigger. Uh, and um, I apologize to the families of those 20 <laughs> people. Uh, but... Uh, but yeah, and I also thought that Tidiba was going to hold on to that information longer to use to manipulate Mary in some way. And I think that Mary loves this information. Um, it, it, she seemed nearly turned on by it. Yeah, Mary's got problems. She does. Mary's got a lot of problems. But she's not. Do we think Mary's going to do anything with that now known information about John? It I looks like she's not going. To. I don't think so. She, she told him to his face, and I think that the love idea that keeps coming up. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's going to do something with it. But but if you've got predictions, we'll save that. I do. Can I just say I'm so glad they finally kissed again, like reconnected. I just want them to be <laughs> together. This isn't okay. Just for the record, hot. this isn't this isn't Ross and Rachel and friends. You know that, right? <laughs> I know it's better. It's better. <laughs> it's Ross and Rachel, but with crazy powers. Okay, all right, and cool accents. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, anything else on Titaba? Um, one thing on Mary to talk about in kind of this Titaba connection in this in this first topic. Um, and not to get too far on Mercy, so let's maybe leave her out of it. But Mary is looking very vulnerable, not only because she is losing alliances, but she lost control of Mercy. The snake thing, you know, the second snake didn't take. And, and Mary's not looking quite as powerful as she was just a couple episodes ago and is certainly not invincible, which leads me to believe her husband maybe is going to get rid of that frog or something. And other things are coming down where she's going to lose a lot of power. We didn't see her husband this episode. We didn't see Isaac either. We haven't seen Isaac for a long time. And I'm a little bit confused because the last time we saw him, he gave flowers to uh, the, the Mab. Mab. Yeah. Mab, yeah. And, and le- did he just leave Salem forever? I think he might have left town. Yeah, that was, probably, <laughs> that was probably the smart move. Smart move. Yeah. I think he's in L.A. trying to be an actor. <laughs> uh. Speaking of Mab, I think it's really interesting how... Every person we're finding out who's a witch eventually, like, Mab's a witch. And then we've got the people in the woods. And then it's like, 
everybody you're finding out, oh, okay. Mab was the least surprising to find out who's a witch because it's like <laughs> if you run the whorehouse, like you probably yeah you're a witch. I'll believe yeah. it. I'm not. I'm not that. You know, you're not. You're definitely not like a. You know, you're not going to church every week. Yeah, but but going back to Mary, I do like you were saying. You can see the vulnerability in her, and she's slowly deteriorating mm. every episode. She's losing control over people, over and she's losing her power and as a result as well. And then she's like crying throughout this whole episode about different things. She almost got exposed by Mercy even though she didn't really, I mean, we'll, we'll talk scared. about Mercy. But she had a close call, and then we see her whole moment with John Alden. And just, so there are all these vulnerable moments. We're slowly peeling back that layer. And we can see she does actually feel remorse because she's still questioning her choices that she did when she was younger, when she first started. And uh, that whole, like, these these actions don't define you. And that's what she's like because she still wants to find goodness and listen, she totally broke down in front of Cotton, which is no one in the show breaks down like I think that. She was acting on that one. I, yeah, I thought that was a little bit of manipulation too. I still, totally. but I've never seen. I would never see her do that, and whether it was real or not, to do that and show that to somebody else because she is always so stiff upper lip. I'm the toughest one, and then even if she's manipulating him, she still breaks down in front of Cotton. And the second time she sees Mercy out in the forest near the very end of the episode. And Mercy says, you know, I don't like the deal anymore. And Mary doesn't even flinch. And she's like, what do you want? Instead of playing hardball and saying, tough, this is the deal, she's like ready to cave again. Yeah, so she's ready to comply and maybe placate towards Mary. She, she's running Mercy scared said. against Mercy, who's like 15 and has no supernatural powers, but is pretending she does. Right. And she's Pretend. totally running scared. I swear, a few episodes ago, you talked about something about the girls dancing around the fire that happened in real history. Do you remember that? I promise. You I don't doubt it. I don't remember it. But if I don't I don't doubt that you're right. If you know viewers, please let us know. <laughs> well what I, to what end? There, what do you well, mean? Well wasn't in like the first episode we saw the whole black the people coming on black pitch and they were in a dancing like kind of way. Mm-hmm. I, I think I mentioned that. But they're the dancing rituals that that's just a known thing. Yeah, but they were also saying, like, bring us the master of darkness. Like, wouldn't that be considered, like, couldn't Mary have been like, oh, these girls were practicing witchcraft? I think I think Mary knew they were screwing around, and I think they knew they were screwing around. It's too, like, Macbeth-y kind of, you know, (laughs) (laughs) boil, boil, whatever it is, toil and trouble. One thing I I meant to bring up last episode, did you see the little girls, like, dancing around going, um... Ring around the rose, epoch. Is that a witch reference song? No, you know what that is? It's the plague. That references the plague. Ashes, ashes. Yeah. Yeah, because I was thinking, which is burning, we all fall. But it's similar, and it's equally as, like, negative and dark. Disturbing. It's a a weird children's, you know, playtime rhyme. But, yeah, it's a plague thing from what I understand. Um, All right, so should we move on from Mary? Anything else major from her? I know we're going to end up talking about her with John in a minute, but... Let's move on. All right, let's do it. Hey, while we move on, uh, on iTunes, guys, if you're listening on iTunes, hit subscribe if you haven't already, and please rate us. We would love to hear what you think about how we're doing on the Salem After Show. And if you're on YouTube watching our beautiful faces, and by our beautiful faces, I mean their beautiful faces and my abomination of a ghoulish face, uh, hit like, hit subscribe. I know, I'm just trying to be... You know, self He's fishing for compliments is what he's doing. Anna, do you think I look great hey, well, then? Well, he's the only guy on the panel. <laughs> <laughs> I think you look 
okay. Wow. Well, that's the greatest <laughs> oh. it's going to get. Hopefully, your reviews of us are better than her review of He's me. He's so, so handsome, you guys. You should really tune in and look. This is awesome. Yeah. I love the orange shirt. So do you have Do you have anything else you'd like you. to say, or should we move on? I would love for us to move on and talk about the show. <laughs> All right, fine. Bobby. You can talk about me on camera later. Uh, let's get to <laughs> Cotton and John and the Malum, the box that we see with the wooden or whatever it is, apple in it that kind of spooks John, to put it mildly. If, and you think about it, like, Apple, just the symbolism, evil, that, well, in, in, you know, the Adam-Eve story, biting out of the apple, the first sin, so just that symbolism was, I thought, neat. What What do we make of John trying to open the malum in in his room on the desk or whatever with the knife, trying to pick it apart, and then the second he puts it down and gets frustrated and walks away, it just kind of shoots open? I thought that was cool, too, because it made me think maybe it had to be anger or hate or frustration that opens the box. Something negative, not uh, not a happy emotion and negative emotion to open it. But not a specific, like, not agency. You don't physically open it. It yeah, opens itself. It opens. It's just predicated on emotion. It, it, yeah, it has its own mind, or kind of like the ring. <laughs> In Lord of the Rings, it, it has its own uh thinking source. But if you think about, like, the name Malum, Mal, which is bad... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Look at, <laughs> yeah, look, the, yeah. The symbolism. We're look at you like with your thought. how many how many languages does Marissa speak? One. You got all the root words down and everything. Well, everything's everything's pretty much derivative of Latin, so yeah. just think about it. Yeah. And mal M A L is bad in yeah, French too. M- so yeah. yeah. Mal, and it's also M A L is bad in Spanish. Which is derivative of Latin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's talk Cotton and John. Did you have something? On on the subject in general, on oh, Cotton and John? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought you were ready to talk. You just, you took a big breath and I was like, oh, maybe there's something. I don't uh, want to cut you off. <laughs> no, go ahead. Well, what are you going to uh, say? Well, let's talk Cotton and John. The first thing about Cotton before we get to kind of his and John's relationship, and, and actually it leads into it, is Cotton and Gloriana. So a couple weeks ago, I do remember this. I said that Cotton and Gloriana were Facebook official. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, they weren't quite Facebook official. It was like the it's complicated relationship on Facebook. And now today, Cotton tried to go all the way official and spend a little money to do it. And Gloriana at first was put off, and then she's totally put on. And apparently, it's happening. I feel like the writers basically copied the Pretty Woman script. (laughs) And it's just like, yeah, whatever... The most amount of money you've ever made, and oh, I'll double it for your company for the rest of your life. But you and can only sleep with me. Exclusivity, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen. Apparently, the sex looks good, so I, I don't know if she'd have a problem with that. Does it? Does it look good? He was like, <laughs> I, I think I don't know where you're coming from, but I think for 1692 in Salem, I think they're doing pretty well. But it, it's also because Gloriana. At first, I thought she seemed like too. Uh, eager to agree to his wishes, but it makes me think that Gloriana does actually have feelings for oh, it, and yeah, actually definitely. does care for Cotton. She's in love with him, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there are underlying true romance going on between the two. So I would note, and I think it was me who made this prediction, so I'll just admit it, I'm wrong, it's the first time for everything. Uh, I predicted, or one of us did, that Gloriana was in trouble and that Cotton may turn on her and accuse her of being a witch or something. Now that this has happened, I think Gloriana's probably pretty safe it would seem but i'm sure something will come up do you still think she's a witch 
No, absolutely not. I didn't think she was. I just mean I thought Cotton was going to accuse her of being a witch to get rid of her or something. Mm. I don't know if she's safe forever because the Hales want Anne to marry Cotton. Great point. Mm, that is an excellent point. Great point, which to me came out of nowhere today. That was really weird. I think it's more the mom than the dad. I, yeah. Well, I don't think uh, Mr. Hale like wants to even. Well, I don't know. I I feel like Anne and Cotton being married might expose Mr. Hale. I don't know. Mm. Possibly. Two against one. Because Anne's definitely a little rebellious, and we know Cotton and Mr. Hale are not seeing eye to eye. So, yeah. That'd be a weird yeah. marriage, though. Yeah, but it would give Anne that power that she kind of thrives for, I guess. Well, so that that relationship, because this has to do with John too. So we have a scene near the end where uh, the, the carnival barker is in the market kind of inciting everybody and inciting a riot, and John tells him to stop. And then Anne comes up. And it's incredibly contentious right away. And the whole time we're like, wait, what's going on? But we learn very quickly afterwards that Magistrate Hale must have said something to her about John's dealings with other women, I would assume. And Anne is is off him. So is Anne off him forever? Or is this Anne and John thing going to, you know? Well, I still think it was... Uh, you know, just unwarranted and bizarre behavior because I I don't think, I don't recall John ever giving the impression that he was, had intentions for her, did he? I, yeah. Other than being nice, but, you know, young girls can sometimes interpret that as flirting. And And also, I think it's just the, we've seen this backstory with John Alden and Mary that they were together before and they had you know, this child. But, like, they have history. So we, they've already built that kind of romance story. And then to throw on, hey, we're supposed to put you with Anne, that, like, us as an audience, we knowing that Mary and John have already, you know, existed, we don't want it to happen with Anne. So I think that's why we might, as an audience, be getting turned off that's, by that. I kind of did want it to happen with Anne, assuming... Anne was of legal age, which I have questioned in the past how old she actually is. But assuming there's nothing weird going on about that, I kind of wanted it to happen. That's a new power couple with no supernatural issues that could, you know, theoretically take over town maybe down the road. So I, for one, would not be complaining. I I would love for that to happen. And back then, age didn't matter. But I do have kind of a weird prediction. Um, What if – did you see in the show today how Anne saw – um, John going to the house when Mary was sitting in the rocking chair. What if it's going to show Anne seeing them kiss? Mm. And then it's going to cause a bunch of craziness. Oh, so you mean she would have gone up to the window or something? And we just didn't see it in this past episode, mm-hmm. but it could come up interesting. Mm. Hmm. Like I don't Anne know. saw that whole conversation go down. Yeah, mm. and then it's going to get back to Mr. Sibley, and then, I don't know, just mm. a bunch Snowball of stuff effect. could... Yeah. Mm. A bunch could happen with that. This happens yeah. in every small town, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, back to the Malum. Let's go, Jesse. You were talking about the vision that John had and whether yeah. it was something that he had done in the past that he was seeing or whether it was a vision of death or the devil or whatever. Um, either way, this Malum is bringing in the great right. And what we know of this and what we've learned of this in this episode, as I look at the notes for it again, it's the Malum is present at every great right it consecrates the earth and the devil's return, and they mentioned that the great rite has been attempted but never yet completed. 
Maybe that's why the lady has, the old witch has the marks on her face because it was attempted then. And maybe this is from the great right because now thinking about it, it wouldn't have, those weren't all men. They were some women in the flashback. So he said he killed 20 men. So maybe that wasn't the flashback. And this is what happens, like you said, for the grand right. And that old witch who was in the woods had lived through the the other attempt or whatever it was and stayed and she's still... Yeah. And, and also seeing the, the so-called flashback or whatever vision that was when, you know, John held the apple, uh, those dead, they looked like they had boils and, like, they were affected by the plague, which could have been an outcome of the Grand Rite, which also makes me think that the, the ancient witches, they tried it, but it kind of backfired them. That's why they're deformed. That's a mm-hmm. great idea that yeah. that all sorts of weird or scary or... Uh, public health issues, medical issues throughout history, they could tie to the Grand Rite and say the Grand Rite was attempted in the 1400s, it mm-hmm. didn't work, and then the plague happened or something mm. like that. Yeah. You just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The girl didn't have crazy. eyes. Just yeah. Gosh, that was crazy. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think it might have backfired on them and physically deformed them as well. Yeah, because I have smallpox question mark here. So that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> So every generation, every hundred years, or however often it gets attempted, something may come up, and then we may have a serious issue that is true in history that we know that yeah. will be tied to the grand right. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. They, they blame it on something else. It's politics. You and know? you, um, you talked <laughs> about how reli- the government works. You talked about religion earlier. It might be not connected, but kind of similar to, um, you know. They say when Jesus comes back, all this stuff happens, like the locusts and all that kind of stuff. Maybe stuff like this happens with the grand right. Oh, and there's signs and there's mm-hmm. other, pl- you know, plagues, for lack of a better word, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, so, the, the locusts were back in the Old Testament. That was Jesus was the New Testament. Oh, well, you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the plagues were the, with Moses, the ten plagues. Yeah, there, but there are supposed to be signs that in uh, the Revelation they have that there's horsemen or something i'm not that the, familiar the four, four horsemen which you know the death death war famish uh, um yeah famine yeah mm-hmm. and then the end of the world yeah there's there there are signs that are yeah the lion lays down with the lamb stuff like that i don't know. yeah but uh, going off of that i can i, I can understand like maybe we'll see more religious things happening that get tied back to the ground right just so you guys know, last night on Penny Dreadful that Marissa and I do together, I started calling her Professor Serafini because she just knows everything. So if you have a no, question, no. you just tweet Marissa, she'll give you an answer. And not Wikipedia either. She knows the real stuff. <laughs> well, uh, thank you. But so, so, okay, let's... The, well, really quickly with the Malum, uh, uh, Rose said something like, we, we need it because we need to be prepared for, for any situation, even if it doesn't include Mary. So, so what is it? What, what do we think they need to be prepared for what what what's coming for them that they need this little box <laughs> i think maybe one of two things either a they will begin to be outed as witches because mercy knows john has an idea cotton has an idea and so they're they don't want to show it to the public but they're actually scared that hey we may not be as safe as we think, as we think they are and b i think they're preparing for the grand right Maybe without Mary in the sense that Mary – and this goes into prediction territory. I'm sorry, but maybe they're already looking at Mary and saying she's still in love with John. She's in love with a mortal. She's not in it with us. She gave us her soul. She can't go back, but she's not going to participate in this grand right. She's not strong enough, and so we need to do everything without her. Or maybe it means that 
to do the grand right, she will have to do something to John because I don't think them being together really affects it because Mr. Hale is with his wife and his wife isn't a witch that we know of yet. But I think Mr. Hale would give that up, his mortal life with his wife and Anne and whatever, for the grand right. That's the point for him. And for Mary, I think they're questioning, would Mary actually go through with the grand right and give up John and give up that life? I think it's – for them, Mary's on the fence right now and it's 50-50. And I think she is on the fence right now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So because Hale, to me, wouldn't have a problem giving up his wife. Right. You well, know. Yeah. I think he would have a problem giving up Anne though. I don't think he would. I don't know because, I mean, he's doing so much to protect her right now. Like he gave her the necklace last episode. I mean he just – he if he didn't really care, it probably wouldn't be a big deal. That's tough. That's it. What do you want to say? Oh, I have a prediction, but you know what? I'm going to save it. I'm All right, hold save it. it. <laughs> yeah. I just look over there and Marissa's like smiling ear to ear. <laughs> Big <laughs> prediction. So okay, well, you know what? Let's move on to Mercy right now then. Um, okay. This is the most interesting part of the show. There's a reason we saved it for the end because the first two stories with Mary and with John I think are more lasting for the entire season, the entire series. Yep. But Mercy is kicking ass. Let's be honest. So we got Dottie, Emily, and Elizabeth who are these little like troublemakers. They're just like, you know, stirring the pot to mm-hmm. use maybe a witch metaphor in a weird way. <laughs> and then Mercy um, – for the first time – and again, OK, you know what? Another one of my predictions was wrong. I'll admit it again. I'm wrong twice. It can happen. I remember I saying – three times, but who but knows? Counting. I could be wrong. It's twice. <laughs> Don't go back and look at the video. It's only twice. I think it is three. Um, <laughs> one of my predictions very early on was that Mercy is done. Remember when she was strung up in the church and she had been yeah. – um, mm-hmm. what's the word I'm looking for? Throwing on up the cross. blood. Crucifix? <laughs> crucified. Thank crucified? you. I don't know why I couldn't think of that word. Um, but she'd been strung up, crucified in the church and everything. And I kind of said, hey, mercy's done. We're not going to see anything else from her. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like she's the, the not cool kid in school that gets popular because she goes yeah. through this yeah. traumatic event. It, it's, it's very strange. It's mer- I, I think it's so wrong, too, that these, these innocent girls and these stand like bystanders are exploiting mercy for just power over people that kind of have done them wrong or that that they don't like or you know even we find out not to jump too ahead but it just makes me think if these girls can use that influence over people what can adults do well i i love the use of these girls because this is one of the first times in this show that they're attempting some level of historical accuracy. Not in the facts. Dottie didn't exist as far as we know in Salem. But the idea that the hysteria was completely fear-driven and human-driven. Because to this point in the show, we've, we actually have witches. The supernatural exists in Salem. These girls and Mercy are the first example of four tor- totally mortal humans saying, Hey, you're a witch. You're a witch. It's real. This person's a witch. And causing that hysteria. So it's scary because not only do they have a lot of power they don't realize how much power they have. Mm-hmm. They've got power over the town and over the witches, and they have no idea they have power over the witches. Even Mercy, who knows what Mary's capable of, has no clue exactly how powerful she is right now, which is scary. <laughs> and which I said, I think maybe Mercy will help with the downfall of Mary. Yeah, that, I think that was my prediction from the first episode, that she's going to be a, a, a great... Um, adversary for Mary. Um, I love this turn. I love it. I love it. I love that there are these three girls that are 
uh, involved. I love that Mercy's just embracing it and that she's taking three girls down with her. Um, <laughs> I love, uh, you know, Emily goes to visit her father in jail. She's like, hello, father. Um, by the way, I think um, it's a well-known fact that you know, pubescent girls are the most evil people <laughs> in the world. I mean, there's nothing worse than a, like a 13 year old girl. It's That's awful. true. And you know, times haven't changed either. With and, and that. Yeah, no. Mary and John talk about it. Don't they have that scene where they, where Mary says to John, you know, don't you miss when you were young or are you so glad you're not young anymore? Yeah. Whatever she says, they yeah. know, they get it. Teenage girls are terrible. Yeah, I would not for anything in the world. Ugh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> mean, mean but yeah. So so now we have like a pack of mean girls with which with which accusatory powers. So it, it's it's great. I love the turn. I love it. I love it. Can I, I say it one more time? How much trouble they're going to get into though? Doing all this because well, history. Some history facts I have today. Um, there yeah. were four girls that were. Not accused of witchcraft, but they were um, what's possessed. The witches possessed them. There was four girls, and it, it was like a group of friends. So I wonder if like the show's trying to bring that out, and they're about to like some stuff's about to get real. <laughs> predictions. <laughs> no, I don't want to go to predictions yet, but I just got one too. Okay, continue, continue. I just got to write this down. That's phenomenal. That is phenomenal. No, this is a great turn, though. And the thing about, first off, Mercy, great acting by Mercy. And I don't mean by the actor in the thing. I mean acting by the character Mercy, who is not possessed and not whatever, to get in that get-up-again-with-the-girls and then just go crazy in town. You know, Mary wasn't doing that. Mercy was doing that on her own. Normal Mercy was doing that, and it still freaked everybody out. Right, and... The fact uh, that, like, Mercy allows this after what she has just gone through, and she's obviously trying to get over that traumatic experience, but then to publicly go through it again makes me question why is she I doing it. I think it's a game it, because she wants that power. She wants that power now. That's why she told Mary. She was like, I want to be just like you. Like, so she's not scared anymore. She's getting really cocky. And, and she like, said, and she said the word sway. Yeah. We're on Word exactly. Watch, 1692, yes. realistic <laughs> Word Watch. Sway is not a word they would use in 1692, but it's power, influence, sway, whatever you want to call it. Mer- or Mercy all of a sudden says, oh crap. I'm, I'm, you know, cool is not the right word, but it is a little bit of that. It's like, I'm cool. These girls kind of like me. I'm running with this. Well, and the yeah. girl said, you, uh, you have, you're the most powerful girl and more so, more so than Mary Sibley. And that's when she said, you think I have sway? It just never occurred to her. Never occurred to her. And so, and I think the reason why she was willing to go, quote, through that again, uh, going through the town and screaming is because she wasn't, um, she wasn't being tortured internally. Uh, this was going to be fun. This was, they had an agenda and now she had power and she was going with purpose and she knew uh, she knew what she was doing, and this was this was a totally different experience than going through there uh, with force, like with Mary making her go through. Yeah, but it makes me. Yeah, I can understand why she's trying to utilize have that power, but the exploitation to try to get Emily's father in there. She's doing this in a cruel way, and to try to get people who have done other people wrong. So it makes me think, who else 
can use this kind of hysteria against people, even if they're not witches or anything. It's just like, hey, this person pissed me off today. I'm going to call them a witch, and he's going to get hanged. I'll disagree with you and say it's kind of, in a weird way, in a very noble way. Yeah, vigilantes. Mercy had the opportunity. Yeah, it is. It's vigilantes vigilantes in a twisted way. (laughs) But Mercy had the opportunity to get Mary in the town center and froze right in front of her and then ran around behind her and got the dad because the dad's treating the daughter in such a way that's unconscionable. And Mercy feels that if it's so unconscionable, it's better that the dad die and be hanged as a witch than have the daughter suffer and have to go to the whorehouse, which to me is like, you go, Mercy. You're a stand-up girl. You could have gotten yours, and I wouldn't have faulted you, but you went and got somebody else's instead of getting yours, and you paid it forward in, in again, a weird vigilante way. Yeah. The problem with vigilantes is there's only so much time before you go way over the line. And when you mm-hmm. start policing yourselves in that way, somebody's going to cross the line, then somebody crosses it back, and it's who's to say when you've crossed that moral bound, you can't come back. So she opened up Pandora's yeah. box in a weird way. Exactly. I think it's just interesting and kind of from what I've seen as an audience member just kind of going against Mercy's character that she would take a dark turn and play dirty this way. And I just didn't believe it would come from Mercy after everything she's gone through. The thing with Mercy too, and I noticed about her relationships with those other three girls, the characters' relationships, when they first knock on the door, she's terrified of them and very shy and doesn't want to open the door, cracks it open, doesn't want to let them in, thinks about it, lets them in, and then slowly warms up and really warms up when she realizes how much power she has. So I don't want to create a backstory for Mercy because I'm not the writer of the show, nor am I the actress, but... It's almost like she had a backstory where she was bullied in some way or ignored or treated poorly by these girls. And now that she has them on her team, even if it's for this, she is going to prove her coolness and her allegiance to them. And that's why she does the thing to Emily's dad because she has to go over the top. She has to prove that she's cool. This is her shot. Get approval from her peers. Yeah. Just like teenage girls would. Just like yeah. I was seeking earlier about how good I look. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you uh, know, go ahead. Sorry. You know, um, I've done some research on witchcraft and stuff like that, and they said that um, whatever you do comes back threefold, so make sure you do good and not bad. So I wonder if that's going to play a part in Mercy starting to do bad, like we think she's going to do good, do bad. Kind of like Mary. She started out good, and then she does bad. All these bad things happen. Mm-hmm. So it still has to do with my prediction. Karma. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, well, something else we learned about Mercy, though, because this is a conversation we had: is that Reverend her father, or is she just calling him father? And it's not her dad. So, uh, and we know because the girls were asking, "What's he like?" and "What?" Um, and she was just sort of describing him like a stranger. So, I, I mean, I got the impression anyway that's not really her dad; that she's just kind of. With the, and I don't know if she's staying with him just while she's quote ill. Um, they were talking about Cotton. The girls were talking about yeah, Cotton. They, oh, they were. Uh-huh. Um, that is her dad because um, in the beginning they were like it's, she's the Reverend's daughter, and then when Mary came to visit um, Mercy, she was like Reverend, give us a minute. They're yeah, like Reverend Lewis. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although but, it's hilarious that the girls were talking about Cotton. Didn't they say how handsome he was or how good he looked or whatever? Yeah. Like they had a weird crush on him. I'm like, girls, if you only knew. But. Yeah, I thought they were they were talking about Reverend, but I I don't think they said Mather, did they? I thought they, they said did. okay. At All some right. point one of them did. I thought they said Lewis, no? Okay, well, my mistake. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, let's see, what else about Mercy? Okay. Maybe the last thing to sum up on Mercy. The final scene in the woods when they're playing around pretending to be witches because they have no idea what they're doing and little do they know real witches are in their midst. Well, I guess Mercy knows, but they still have no idea what they're doing with the dance. Um, 
and Mary comes up, and we've touched on this briefly, but Mercy has another, you know, tough girl moment when Mary comes up and calls him out, and the other three girls immediately back away because they're still scared of Mary, even though they recognize that Mercy supposedly has more sway than Mary does. But Mercy walks right up to Mary, gets in her face, which we've never seen before from Mercy, because half the time she hadn't been healthy enough to do it. Mm -hmm. But she gets right up in her face and challenges her, and Mary backs down, which is so significant to me. Mary caves and says, well, what do you want? Like, what's the new deal? You know, if it's like, I'd love to negotiate with Mary, you can get a lot out of her right now. She's not a good negotiator, but she's running scared, and Mercy knows she has the power. Mercy says on the new deal, I want to be like you. I take it. That's a witchcraft reference and not an I want influence in this town reference. She knows what Mary's about. She wants to come to the dark side, no? Yeah, it yeah. seems like it. Yeah, like, no, that's the wrong path. Don't go down that path. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think maybe Mercy already has, I don't want to say powers, but has like maybe something that she knows that she can't use? Because, you know, thinking back on last episode, Mary was at her house and Mercy showed up with the snake. So it's like, how can she you know, be somewhere when she's at her house. And she knew exactly what Mary was talking to when she came to see her. She was like, you came to see me last night. Like, how could she even do that if she didn't have some kind of power? How did Mercy deal with the snake when George Sibley couldn't deal with the frog? That kind of a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Maybe mm -hmm. maybe Mercy's part of a third group of witches that we don't know about yet. Mm -hmm. New, new world. <laughs> <laughs> Middle world, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, all right, I guess that's about it on Mercy, guys. Shall we move to news and gossip? After Buzz TV News. All right, I have two interviews. One with Xander Berkeley, one with Shane West, kind of connected, and I want to ask you guys a question about it, and I'm going to open it up to the audience, too. Here's the thing. Xander Berkeley talked to TVFanatic.com. Shane West talked to ZapToIt.com. Xander said to TV Fanatic, they asked him, they said, you're playing a character based on re on a real man with a lot of dramatic license. Very true. Did you do any research on the real Magistrate Hale prior to joining Salem? And Xander Berkeley said, I deliberately avoided getting fixed on them because we were advised not to because there is such license being taken. He goes on dot, dot, dot. He also says he thinks it's wise that they departed from any kind of attempt to recreate their lifestyles or who they were. We weren't there, and we couldn't really begin to know, so why pretend to? So we just completely take a leap. My question on this, and he does say, too, I did a lot of research in other areas, particularly my character's parents were meant to be burned, so that's an in indication of his family, which we've talked about in this show. Um, and I went into that quite a bit, what it would mean to come from that, what it would mean to, to feel fidelity and loyalty to the family and the parents that die, and maybe kind of a hidden, suppressed contempt for those responsible for killing them, which I think is going to come up with his character. Shane West, and then I'm going to ask you this question. They asked to Shane West, coming into Salem, did you already know much about the witch trials? And he says, I'm a fan of horror and the supernatural, but not necessarily the historical accuracy. In terms of my background for playing John Alden, it wasn't necessary. At least it hasn't been yet. My answer could change a few years down the road, but by the time he comes back to Salem, everything has changed and we're just winging it. So they're both taking dramatic license with their characters. We've talked a lot about the history. They're both kind of saying, hey, throw the history out. We don't care. Not that they don't care, but that it's insignificant to the show. I think we all agree that they are taking so much dramatic license that's probably smart. My question for you three, and we'll open it up to the audience at the end of the show too, five episodes in. Do you like the dramatic license being taken? Do you wish it was more, a little more supernatural and crazy and weird? Or do you wish they were sticking tighter to the facts? Now that you've seen a lot of this, where do you stand? 
I kind of like the idea that they're make it, giving it their own spin and twist on things instead of sticking to the facts. Because if I wanted to watch history, I would just look it up myself, you know. Um, but I like how they're putting their own spin. But I also like when they use the historical facts and tie it into the episode, like the um, the Cooley, uh, what was his name, Corey guy. Oh yes, Mr. yeah, Corey, Giles like, Corey. Like that happened in real life, and I liked how we got to see some of that played out. But I also like you know their own twist things. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the, the dramatic license is necessary. The only thing that I, 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 I don't even want to say dislike, but, um, you know, some of the language that we talk about, um, it, it, it takes me out of it. It takes me out of the moment. Um, and so I wish they would sort of stick more to the, uh, historical accuracy of the, the speech. But other than that, yeah, I mean, of course, like, uh, like Jesse said, it, might as well be watching a documentary otherwise. If you had more <laughs> sway with the writers. If I had more talk. sway with the writers, perhaps I could, yeah. And the hair pieces. That was your other thing, right? Hair pieces, yeah. too, yeah. But but other than that, no. But no, no, no. I mean, as far as dramatic license, it's, yeah. You have to, right? I mean, yeah. am I wrong, Marissa? Oh, no. I, I, I agree in those aspects, too. Maybe, like, I don't find the language as... Um, it takes me out of it like you on a, but I find creative, whenever you go into like a movie or a TV show, you gotta go into it with an open mind and be open to creative liberties and, and they, they're definitely taking that. And none of us really existed back in that time and no one's going to get every single historical fact absolutely right on the dot. You know, things are gonna change here and there. And also they have to mold with the story and the characters and, and also like that the, the acting of the of the cast members, like maybe their character acted one way this way, and maybe people like that, and they appeal to the audience. Like, hey, we like this person being more evil. Let's keep going on the evil route. And, you know, just those creative licenses too. So, I mean, it appeals to the, the audience, and it's obviously appealing to us. I don't think the historical inaccuracies aren't as big that's to the disturbing that takes me out of it. So I'm completely enjoying the whole experience. For what it's worth, maybe it's a fan versus critic thing. I want to play devil's advocate almost a little bit because we all kind of agree. But a lot of critics that I've read in the last few weeks are saying to different degrees about Salem, I wish they stuck to the facts more. This isn't the facts. They need to take the facts. And the only thing I will say about sticking to the facts and about being more historically accurate is it provides for you a spine, a backbone from which you can grow. If you take all sorts of dramatic license, why even focus on Salem in the first place? You can create your own world of witches and do whatever and go, you know, American horror story style almost and kind of create your own thing. So I, I understand there is value to sticking to the facts. And Jesse, I like what you said about taking a story like Giles Corey or taking a story that actually did happen, or use Tituba and some of her actual true happenings in Salem, and maybe use that as, again, the backbone, and then grow away from that, and then take the dramatic license there. We want to know from you guys at home, too. We'll ask at the end of the show, but real quick while we're talking about it, tell us if you like the dramatic license taken, if you like the whole supernatural world, or if you think they should be more historically accurate. You can comment below on YouTube. You can tweet us. We'll give out social links and do that in a minute. But first... It's time for predictions. And now, your AfterBuzz TV predictions. All right, Jesse, you start. Well, I said like over like most of mine throughout the show, <laughs> but um, I predict Rose is going to die. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Uh. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Time out. Time out. You mean the Rose who fell through the floor... Landed on those spikes or whatever, and is now in the company of 
Cotton with the hatchet, and John with the gun. Yeah. Great prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I but wonder where Rose but, is going. But you know what would be a real, like a weird twist? Because they don't want one of their kind to die. And it showed in the preview, I think it was Rose, where she was tied up and they had like fired going like, what if like Mary steps in and saves her? But I don't know. It could she could just let her burn because she just found out she's against her. I think if anybody saves Rose, it's going to be Hale. I think he would be the guy to save her because he comes to her with the first lie about the gambling debt. Remember, and she's like, "You idiot! That was a lie." So they're kind of in working together in some yeah. manner or have some sort of respect for each other. I think Hale would be the one to save her, if anybody. Yeah, but she could be a goner. Judging from previews for next week, she they weren't treating her so well. Her she outcome was, doesn't look good. No, <laughs> we'll she was she was not hanging out at the beach. She looks no. pretty strong though. She fell through stakes and she was still like she's like, oh, hey guys, what's, well, what's up? We saw in the preview <laughs> that they're hanging her from a tree. So, I mean, yeah. like at least stringing her up for interrogation. We'll see that. That'll be fun. Or maybe they want because they want us to think she's going to die. Everybody goes into the forest to do stuff like this. Why didn't Cotton and John take a boat, row her out into the middle of the water, and interrogate her? Think about that. Because the witch is already in the forest. There's a lot of creepy stuff going on in the forest. Get away from the forest, right? Yeah, but if you're in open water, too, maybe someone will see you from the shore. Maybe, but, I mean, witches are going to find them in the forest. We know that. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Predictions. Anna? Uh... Well, I think that Mary is going to try to use John for bringing in the grand right because because of the murdering 20 people thing. I think she heard that and was like, oh, you're much better at murdering people than I am. <laughs> so I'm going to need your help. I Okay. Go uh, ahead. Are you done? Okay. I'm done. Go. I, go kind of going off of that, but not. <laughs> um, Mary in the grand right. I, I think Mary's going to try to do it, but I don't think it's going to work for her because we see in tonight she has some humanity left in her. She wants to believe in good. There is an ounce of good within her. And if we believe that she sold her soul and she's supposed to be like maybe all-encompassing evil and we are, we're seeing some goodness in her, there's a ch- chance that she can be still become a better person. Therefore, the grand right won't work on her. Hmm. Interesting. I will I will piggyback. I have two now because I just realized something that you said about Mary using John. Okay. Mary has sold her soul in this way, and she can't go back to being a normal human. But we're all in agreement. She's totally in love with John. Like oh, hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and this is crazy, I think she's going to make John a witch. <laughs> if she can't go back to being a human to love him... She's going to have him join her in eternity as a witch. Will that actually happen? No, but it's a prediction. It's crazy. That's so, like, can, Twilight can, of you. Can Mary <laughs> there you go. so Twilight It's crazy, right? It, it think, is crazy. But I think Mary's going to realize. Another crazy theory, can Mary get her soul back in a way? I don't think so. That's the thing. I'm going to say she can't. And because of that, she's like, well, I can't go back, so I'm bringing John forward. <laughs> okay. Uh, what if John tries to go to hell to get Mary's soul back? Very Greek tragedy. Oh. <laughs> <Very> tragedy. <laughs> and he meets William Hook in hell. He's going to dive into and that William pit Hook is going to help him. <laughs> Grab the soul. He's going to be swimming, looking for his soul. <laughs> and, the only, and the only person left standing at the end of all this Put is... Put back in Mary. Uh, Isaac the Fornicator returns uh, to hell. Uh, uh, yes. He's the savior okay, at my, the end of the day. My serious prediction <laughs> is, and it's something you said, 
you were talking about in real life the four girls who were possessed and whatever. Guess what? Mercy plus those three others, that equals four. Let's talk about those four girls. I think that Mary is going to look at Mercy and finally realize, hey, wait a minute, I'm the witch here. I got the power. And she is going to again take possession of Mary and the other three and kind of say, hey, girls, be careful what you wish for. Mercy. You messed with the wrong person. Mary's going to take advantage of Mercy. And the other, okay. and the other three. Okay. And say, be careful what you wish for. You messed with the wrong person. See you guys later. Mm-hmm. And you said, Jesse, what you do comes back to you threefold. Well, girls, if you've been manipulating Mercy, you three girls are going to get it back right now. And Mary's going to do away with all four of them. And these little teenage hoodlums are gone. Hmm. Maybe yeah. that girl with hmm. the yellow teeth hurt the fallout or something. God, there's just some oh, really those teeth yellow. Are terrible. They were oh. yellow. It's Ugh. like all your friends got white teeth. But that was Emily, right? <laughs> Wasn't that Emily? Was the point that was that- Dottie? Oh, really? Dottie's the one, her dad, right? No, that's Emily. Emily's the oh, one with the, dad, okay. with the bad dad. Yeah, Emily. Yeah, because the, then they, they're selling the point that she's being treated horribly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, those teeth are, whew. But I think it also goes back to just the time that they were living in hygiene wasn't as great as it is today. Yeah. So. Yeah, there was mm-hmm. no, like, Zoom whitening <laughs> in Salem. Uh, crest whitening, come on. <laughs> Way to go. Oh, God. Marissa sponsored you guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm a walking endorsement for Crest. <laughs> All right, as we uh, close out everything, those are some good predictions. I'm sure none of them will come true, but they were fun. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. i got to stop doing mine during the show and just save them all to the Well, end. we all get excited, so. Maybe I'm the entire show should just be predictions. You guys saw it. We're going to predict for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's do social links as we get going. Twitter, Instagram, uh, MySpace. Where can we find you guys? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Jesse Owen. You can follow me at Koppel for Mayor, K-O-P-P-E-L-F-O-R-M-A-Y-O-R. And I will also be talking about Orphan Black in about a half an hour. And you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Serafini TV. And I also do the Penny Dreadful after show with Bobby. That's true. If you guys don't watch Penny Dreadful yet, do it. Keep watching Salem, but watch Penny Dreadful afterwards and Orphan Black. They're all kind of similar. Yeah, and Catfish. Yeah. I do Catfish on Wednesdays. So we've got Penny Dreadful, Salem, Orphan Black, and Keeping Up with the Kardashians. <laughs> I, I, and Catfish. I do Catfish on Wednesdays. Catfish is probably the most scary of the four when you really truth. think about it. Truth. Yeah. Yes, that's the most truthful <laughs> of all of these. I am at Bobby DeMiro on Twitter and at Mr. Bobby DeMiro on Instagram because I like to keep it formal. <laughs> That's it on the show this week, guys. Remember, as we get away, hey, seriously, folks on the YouTube or if you're on Twitter, you want to comment. What we were talking about earlier, do you like the creative license taken with this show? Do you like all the dramatic license with the supernatural? Or do you wish it was more historically accurate? We want to hear your thoughts on that. So answer in the comments below on YouTube. If you're listening on iTunes, get on Twitter or YouTube and tell us what you think. We want to uh, debate you guys. So that's it for Anna and Jesse and Marissa. I'm Bobby. See you guys next week. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 